You're so clumsy. I am aware. And you've been clumsy since you were in kindergarten. I mean, all children are clumsy. It's fine. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that reminds you that as we evolve, all things turn to crab. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, are you a crab? Run from it. <laughs> Dread it. The crabification. Crab becomes all the same. Crab people. Crab people. <laughs> Imagine... Mass Effect with the Reapers coming, but it's just crabs. <laughs> Everything becomes crab. It's the ultimate life form. Oops, all crabs. <laughs> how, how are you doing? How has your week been? Well, I learned two days ago that the January here in Chicago was the cloudiest and most overcast January in the history of... The, they have recorded that data oh, okay. for like the last 120 years. And I can feel that. Like, now the sun is out, and I'm like, fuck, I'm just a plant. I'm just a plant with emotions and anxiety. Give me the sun. <laughs> you kept the sun for me too long, and I got sad for, like, a month. Yeah, it it was nasty out. It just didn't matter what the weather was, didn't matter what the temperature was. It was always cloudy. And I, I For a month straight. The ninth layer of podcasting hell is... Small talk about the weather. I'm aware. <laughs> you want to talk about the weather? But not getting sun for an entire month altered my brain chemistry in <laughs> negative ways. <laughs> and now the sun is out, and I'm like, oh yeah, happiness. Ah, oh, let the sun shine. You have a show opening soon. Yeah. Yeah, those <laughs> people have been struggling not seeing the sun too. No, no, the show's in a very good spot. People, like... Hey, uh, if you're in a managerial supervisor role, whether it be in arts or business or whatever, read the room of your team. If they're burnt out, scale back a little bit. When do people do that, Jared? I made two actors cry this week. Nice. Well, that's not true. It wasn't directly my actions. Two actors cried in rehearsal this week because they were... (laughs) Uh, because they were upset with their lives. I'm going to hold that on you. Jared made people cry. That's fine. Jared made you cry. Fear me. I don't think anyone in that cast listens to this podcast. I, I I pretend that no one I know listens to this podcast. That's fair. If you or anyone you know is affected by Jared... <laughs> you may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> Speaking of things you may be entitled to, emails! You can send us emails at SurvivorTBT at gmail.com or by sending us messages on Twitter at SurvivorTBT or Reddit U slash SurvivorTBT. So I'm torn, Stephen. Yeah? Because... I, I did like the bit of me saying I was going to start an Instagram and then never doing it. But now that we make memes for every episode, that would be a convenient vehicle for our memes. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. We'll have an Instagram at some point. I'll, Maybe. This is on you. I, I really do like the bit, though. We'll see. Of c- c- threatening? Saying it, yeah, saying it every episode and never doing it. I'm going to do it. I swear. Promise nothing and deliver less. Promise nothing and deliver nothing. Yes. Is well, it- deliver less than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go through emails. We have a few from Josh. Josh sent us in. Hunter's also in a ton of military product commercials, such as this one. 
and send us a commercial for the atomic beam. Here, I will, I'll turn this this way for you. The atomic bomb is one of the most powerful forces on Earth. The atomic beam is one of the most powerful flashlights on Earth. Hi, I'm Hunter Ellis. Tell me what you thought about that commercial, Jared. Stop blinding us. Stop giving us epilepsy. My <laughs> eyes hurt. My eyes shouldn't hurt from watching a commercial. Also, where was Hunter on January 6th? Oh, oh. I asked about Frank. Am I asking about Hunter? Oh, you're not wrong. So, interesting that we just watched this commercial, and it's a flashlight. So, it's not an actual military product. It's faux military, like the uh, the tactical sunglasses that they always try to sell on it's TV. It's core. Deadcore. Yeah. yeah. He's just selling Dadcore products. But yeah, break down that commercial for me. Anything else you'd like to say about it? My head hurts. Like, that's really <laughs> all I have to say is, like, a horrible, horrible infomercial type of commercial from, like, the mid-2000s where they're just doing ridiculous stunts with the products, like, freezing it in ice and putting it in boiling oil and being like, look, it still works. That is impressive, though, if it's being boiled and it's still working. Yeah. It may not work long-term, but <laughs> while it's being boiled, it was working. <laughs> My eyes hurt. They just spent half the commercial shining the flashlight directly into the aperture of the camera. Yeah, if you want to go look that up, the product name is the Atomic Beam and seizure warning galore. On they that will one. not give you an epilepsy warning. We will. Yeah. Also from Josh, like to say Rob's speech against the Row 2s was definitely controversial, but more in the way of him just being mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we know. It's it, it's not like we're we're threatening to cancel him. We know what this is. Yeah. People can learn and grow. I don't know if Boston Rob has. I will find out eventually, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I, I could see that being Survivor having already that sort of tricky history with villains even in its fourth season yeah. and people wanting the good guys to win i can absolutely see that being controversial <laughs> and then mentions a future season may break jared the this very specific season that i'm not going to read to you okay <laughs> and i'm already broken so what, what is broken may no long, may no further break also the first survivor theme sequester was great but the second was a mess so there you hmm. go we talked about sequester I believe either Tyler, I think it was Tyler, or Tyler or Carl, someone sent it in. From Carl, Carl, didn't mention, but be down for the Discord, so that's two votes for the Discord. Hmm. Anybody else want that Discord? We'll, we'll talk. Talk to me. T tell me things. We love you. <laughs> Damn, I think you guys are being a bit harsh on Hunter. I think his expectations for what needs to be done are probably a little high, but we don't ever see him be a real asshole about it. He's kind of makes suggestions and takes charge because he feels like he knows the most about the outdoors, which is almost definitely true. I don't think we see him make too many commands. I think people disagree with his priorities, but I don't think that's the same thing as being bossy. Worth noting that Gina seemed to agree with him and just as upset of Hunter, if not more, with oh, her yeah. tribe. I, I don't want to, to come off... I like to have strong opinions on things, and yeah. they are they are truthful to me, but there is there is nuance in there. And like I don't think that... Hunter was being an outright, from what we gather, Hunter was being like an outright like asshole the whole time. He wasn't. He wasn't being a BB, but <laughs> the forever the marker of like not getting along with your tribe. Sure. But I think his expectations were different than what the reality of the situation was, and he never adapted those. And it, it, and and like I still I do stand by the wanting to have a rigid military structure kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I I will again. Being that we're, f it's being framed by the narrative of the show. 
in that if you look at it from just this one solo episode and all that we get to see, they're trying to tell a story. They're trying to make you take a side. And as the story continues along, you get to see more opinions of the people that are involved in one side but not the other. I think really what it is is it's a meet in the middle. Both both tribes struggled with the how do you have a work-life balance on this island and neither does it well. They they both, one tribe worked way too hard, one tribe is refusing to work or not doing enough, I guess is a better way to put it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's a wrong or right answer here. I think Hunter did a poor job of meshing with his tribe. Yeah. And that's why he got the boot. Yeah, and also something to note is that history is told by the winners and so is like when we are seeing a season it is history it has happened they know who has won or at least who has gotten to the final two so they're going to edit in such a way that you know the people who win the conflict are we get more of their narrative than the side that loses the conflict because we're going to keep staying with them yeah in a similar vein last tribal council sarah said no one's told her what to do since she was 16 feel like that's not true and at the beginning here she literally asked them to wake her up and tell her what to do so there you go fucking sarah (laughs) pascal and nalia's thing is cute but pascal describing her as having a cute pixie look is like "Mm." Mm, i didn't catch that yeah it's mm. i don't think it's intended as creepy but it's poorly framed yeah yeah how has hunter never been bitten by a mosquito yeah (laughs) Where do you live that there are no mosquitoes? I, I guess I missed that. That is the state bird of Minnesota <laughs> and also Florida. The man, He's actually Superman. The, <laughs> the mosquitoes just can't get through his skin. You're not 100% wrong, but I think this is like the third or fourth episode you've claimed to be the first blind side. I knew it! I, I knew know. it! <laughs> I mean, you're right, but... I, yeah. This and one I, feels different. I think that this is... And we might even say it again, but this is the first time it's been a blindside on somebody that's been in the power position, I feel like. Right. It says Gretchen and Jerry come to mind. Jerry was in the power position. Yeah. People just really didn't like her. Yeah, that was a blindside. Okay, so, so and I think we, we shouldn't have used blindside for the previous two ones, because I don't think that was the right terminology. Because with Gretchen, it was... The first, pers- the first person to get ganged up on by an alliance, really. Mm-hmm. I guess that she was probably personally blindsided, like she didn't see it coming, but no one felt safe. You have to kind of feel safe in order for a blindside to hit you. And Jerry was the first one that broke tribe dynamics, where they got voted out before someone on, while someone on the opposing tribe was still there. But yeah, people just didn't like Jerry, so that was probably poorly phrased on our part. yeah. Doesn't think that Rob really manipulated Sean. I think Sean already wanted Hunter out as bad as Rob. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. There was no chemistry between those two. Yeah. When, I, when I'm saying manipulate in that case, I mean making it so that Sean doesn't know that Rob is calling the shots. So it's more of like a, hey, buddy, let's do this together. And really Rob's like, I'm going to slit his fucking throat. <laughs> and having a modern perspective really changes things, but America universally thought... Manamu were idiots for getting rid of Hunter. Okay. For Rob getting rid of Hunter. Having the modern perspective really changes things, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. That's it, why we're doing this. It's beautiful. 
though please keep telling us like what was thought at the time because that is fascinating <laughs> carl also agrees that the the minnesotan Oli uh being a sex repellent <laughs> i was picturing charlie barons doing that part i don't know who that is i don't know who that is either. i'm gonna well, let's google quick charlie barons oh it's the guy it's the tiktok wisconsin guy oh okay <laughs> yeah that's exactly you're right on the money there but it's wisconsin so we will never let that happen would argue sarah did not understand why hunter went home either based on what she says to gina why did you vote him off i don't know we just wanted to do something different <laughs> pretty sure rob just told her to vote for hunter and she's yeah, like yeah do it sarah shouldn't have been on the show say less with respect to nalia being Helen spelled backwards, I'm pretty sure that actually is the intended origin of her name. Vesepia said the last episode the cast saw was in the airport. It was the tribe swap from Africa. So they oh. knew something like that was possible. Fascinating. That does make a lot of sense because the, the reaction was not heavy on that one. No. Which I thought could have just been the show trying to, like, you know, hey, they don't show us their surprise. If they just show us, like, after they've explained it, then we don't see it. But, yeah, if they saw the episode in the airport, then, yep, that makes sense. Mm. And is Sarah the worst player since season one? I don't know. She feels more like a comic relief obstacle for the other players to work around than a real player. It's true! Not surprised they never showed her fashion report segment on the morning show. Although it was probably astoundingly bad anti-comedy. I love anti-comedy. I think you need to show that. And then ap apologizes for all of the information for the last two episodes. There's just a lot to talk about. This is a good season. Yeah. Oh, this is a great season. Very good season. Right now, may, may change, but right now, this is my favorite season of the four. Ooh, it's breaking up your order. Yeah. <laughs> I could have just committed to the bit. One, two, three, four. No, I hate that. I'm not doing that. Tyler, in 2011, Hunter hosted a documentary called 3D Safari, and a picture of him is featured in the packaging for Atomic Beam Flashlight. Released in stores in 2017. He also appeared in a commercial for the Atomic Beam. Which we watched. Magic Ear to advertise the product. So there must be a, a second product from Atomic sure. Beam. The Magic Ear. Which just sounds like a hearing aid. It probably. <laughs> something along that line. Yeah, something to amplify your hearing ability. I don't know. Yeah. In 2010, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of and the upcoming 20th season, there was an event that all 301 at the time survivors were invited to attend, and was attended by 214 of them. I was going to do a big list of everyone when you eventually got to that point, but I realized it might be too much to do at once. You're probably right. Probably right. <laughs> and I figure we're still early enough for the process for me to list everyone that attended in the first three seasons before I start listing who attended out each season at the end of the season. That's fair. Okay. Thank you. So the attendees for season one were Sonia, Ramona, Dirk, and the original Final Four. Okay. Se season two, Kel. I know, right? Okay. Marilyn, Kimmy, Jeff, Jerry, Roger, Colby. Okay. Season three, Jesse, Silas. Jesse? Okay. Kelly, Frank, and Young Kim. This was Silas? Really? Well, this is the 20... 2010. When did he get arrested? 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Honestly, with that like that list makes sense of like people who either like Jesse went on to be an actress. Yeah, so, like, in television, it makes sense. And Silas was so thirsty for the camera. Yeah. Also, Helen is the name of Nilia's grandfather. Or sorry, grandmother. I was gonna say, wow, grandmother. Quite progressive. <laughs> no. And that's it. That's all the emails. 
A lot of good information in these today. A lot of good information. Thank in these. you. I love these fun facts. Yeah. Thank you, all three of the big three: Tyler, Carl, Josh, and anyone that wants to send in. I know it's a majority of these three, but anyone is welcome to. We yeah. love your information. Thank you. And we'll make sure this segment doesn't get too large yeah. in the episode. We'll we'll get pickier and choosier if we have more emails. Yeah. I promise it won't go on longer than fifteen minutes. Probably. Great. We should always be into the episode by 15 minutes. Well, you say that. You know what gets us into the episode? What, Jared? A bumper. <laughs> Titty croissant. <laughs> so this episode came out on March 28th of 2002. Actually, a pretty interesting week between these two. The first thing being the 22nd Golden... Raspberry Awards happened, and Freddy Got Fingered wins, which I've heard the name of that before. I don't know a lot about Freddy Got Fingered, but I, I do know it is a, it's a cultural icon. I, I know nothing about it. The name's funny. That's true. <laughs> this one upsets me. 74th Academy Awards, A Beautiful Mind, Denzel Washington and Halle Berry win. That's good. Halle Berry is the first woman of color to win the Best Actress Award. Really? 2002! Wow, that's upsetting. Yeah. And then The Bachelor debuted. Oh, okay. Three days before this episode. So, weird. Survivor is older than The Bachelor. Yes. I did know that, but I honestly didn't think it went back that far. Yeah, no, me neither. The same song was top of the charts. I don't care. I'm going to, I'll talk about it when it changes. But movies, Resident Evil at number five, Showtime at number four. I'm going to skip number three because I want to talk about it in depth. Number two, Blade 2. Oh, okay. Okay. Ice Age, still number one. I anticipate it'll be there for a minute. Number three was E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I'm sorry? Yeah. They, they must have re-released they it in did. theaters. It's, it was the 20th anniversary. They re-released it in theaters. Okay. But that's how bad the movie-going scene was at the time. That <laughs> E.T., years after its release. 20 to be decades, specific. Yeah. <laughs> has to go back. It's top three. Top three. Insane. Yep. Absolutely insane. Cool. Into the episode, episode five, The End of the Innocence. This title is garbage. Who's writing these titles? Whoever did this for season four was drunk the entire time. Oh, let's put the end of the innocence. It's not even the end of innocence. Which? <laughs> the end of the innocence. Maybe they've had that title before, The End of Innocence. This is the episode title so far. Back to the Beach fine it's fine it tells us what's going on Uh nacho mama love it hate it love it (laughs) no pain no gain that's fine fine especially because that's the injury episode although in the description of the episode they misspelled injury that's true the winds twist stupid the end of the innocence also stupid yeah so we're we're real hit and miss here actually mostly miss mostly miss (laughs) (laughs) so we open this episode and Tammy's doing push-ups. Push-ups, baby. Oh, that was Tammy. I yeah. thought that was Zoe. Oh, it could have been Zoe. I legitimately cannot tell them apart because we've only gotten screen time with them for like five seconds each. It, it was from the side and you couldn't see this person's face very well. I assume Tammy, now that you say Zoe, that does kind of make more sense with what we know. Yeah, I think it was Zoe and she is a beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Zoe's a badass. Yeah. I, like I hope we get to see more of her. I don't think we're going to. I think... We have firmly established that that the members of Mara Amu are the protagonists of this season. So, 
We'll see. Yeah. Rob is lamenting his lack of control. His lack of control, and also, it's weird that they put this in. Boston Rob talking about how Sean's just given up. Yeah. And Sean's, like, not playing the game anymore. And then that's the last we talk about that, and it's not true for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I know. It's very... Like, they're setting it up for that, but they don't do a very good job. What do you want from a scenario where you're trying to be subtle, but still hinting, is that, hey, smart people are gonna feel smart, or anyone who figures this out is gonna feel smart, or just, like, hinting just hard enough that people are like, oh, maybe they mean that. Mm-hmm but not outwardly, like, straight up saying it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get to see a moment of, like, from Sean. We can see it from Boston Rob. We don't get to see a moment of Sean, like, get re-engaged and be like, hey, let's take over this game. Yeah. So it just feels weird that they that they edited the confessional that way. Yeah. He, d- he talks about his current members who were on his former tribe, Sean, who isn't trying anymore, and V, who's good at... What was his exact way of saying, give, give him the smoochies. Kiss, yeah. Kiss an ass. Kiss an ass. Which, Austin Rob could use a little more of, of kissing ass. Yeah. And then you start to realize that the people who are on this tribe, who have never lost a challenge, they haven't had to play this game yet. Yeah. Not at all. That is something I thought about, and I, I didn't talk about it. I was like, surely they cannot be this naive. It is season four. <laughs> That, like, Mara Amu kind of got to weed out their chaff and create a strong bond. Mm-hmm. Much, much more than Rotu, who have not been tested. And I, Gabe has a confessional here at the beginning where he's like, man, when they came, they brought the game with them. And, like, yeah. blah, blah. and I was like, yeah! Yeah, Gabe! Of course they did! The, the... You should have been playing since the moment <laughs> you got off the fucking boat! What are you talking about, my guy? Gabe doesn't want to play the game. He wants to build a society. You're on the wrong show. He is on the wrong show. Don't be on a show. Go on a com- like. I think John actually says later, like, go on a commune. Yeah. He's John asked him about his ethics and like, what are you willing to do to win this game? And he's almost like, I don't want to win the game. Yeah. I'm just here to to hang out and build build a society. And the collective audience goes, what? I want to know what audiences in 2002 thought about that sentiment. Like at this point, where they also like the fuck is this guy talking about yeah, you were there for a million dollars that is the sole reason that you were on this island yeah go win a million dollars and i also want to know we, we just we talked about how this was originally supposed to be the jordanian desert did this was this cast picked for the jordanian desert or did they pick a cast for marquesas because if they picked this cast for the jordanian desert they made some bad fucking choices it would have been insane yeah yeah, these people would not last in the Jordanian desert. No. 90% of this cast would flounder horribly. I'd put the under over at, on Medivacs at like five. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about the, the, the water source, the food source. It would be miserable for these people. Yeah, well, and also like, the reason I'm asking is because there's a couple people now, Sarah and Gabe, that feel like they came here for like a vacation or mm-hmm. like, to do some weird social experiment. That would have looked very different in the Jordanian desert. And if you cast Sarah and Gabe for the Jordanian desert, you fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're flipping over to Mata Amu, and we start with a group prayer led by Milia. We're, we're, we're bonding. We're yeah. having, having a nice time. 
Sarah's gone, so it's the good vibes. The good vibes are had by all. It's peaceful. Pascal says it reminds me of living in Atlanta. Which was weird. Does not explain. Refuses to elaborate. It reminds me of living in Atlanta, and then he says I, something about like the all the tall buildings, and the, like, now I don't live in a city. And, and now comparing it to living in a small town. The only thing I can think is that he's talking about like the sense of community he found living in going from a big city like Atlanta to a small town. Sure. And that now happening again, going from a small town to four people. That makes sense. Or from his, or actually from Rotu to Mara Amu, yeah. going from being kind of an outsider maybe at Rotu to having like this really neat, well-knit bond at Mara Amu with the four of them. Okay. That's the only, that, I think that's what he's saying. That follows, I mean, that follows with me. I'm, it was as good of a guess as we're going to get. Nonsense. <laughs> it's a fish out of water story. I'm not sure. I cannot believe that we've just switched the kumbayas. Yeah. All it takes is switching around a few people and then suddenly, hey, the bad team is good family. The good team is bad family. I also want to say this season has had more surprises in this cast and I've been wrong about more of them than previous seasons, I think. That could be recency bias, but I was big on Gabriel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said in the first episode, I would rather walk in the ocean than deal with Kathy. Kathy has grown on me. Uh-huh. Now, she's also changed quite a bit. So sure. changing her mind with new information, eh. Um, I couldn't have predicted that she was going to suddenly break out of her anxiety spiral and bond with people like a human being. And I'm just so excited. I mean, even John. Like, I had very low expectations for John. We'll talk about more in this episode. I love John as a Survivor character. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, really? You think... I mean... Wait, let me put it this way. He, John is playing the game. That, yes. Would you rather watch an episode of John in the driver's seat or Gabriel in the driver's seat? I kind of like them both trying to be in the driver's seat. Well, that's what this episode was. I know. It was great. It was fun. <laughs> But I was, let me put it this way, I was happy that Gabe lost that battle over John losing that battle. Fair. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It makes for a much more interesting season that way. Yeah. We then watched Monamu go and find crabs, find all the crab people. Kathy calls them androids? Yeah. Again. What? What? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> Are, are her and... Am I having a stroke? Do her and Pascal just speak a different language? Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> They're talking about androids, Jared. Again, the These metallic crabs are coming <laughs> to invade their island. The only thing I can think she means by that is that they are kind of just, like, running with no sentience. They're just, like, run from hole to hole and, like, and try to hide and aren't very good at it. Sure. It's grasping at straws, man. Yeah. But they do a great job of catching these crabs. They catch... They said 12 crabs. Yeah. And they struggle to open them, but they get them open and have so much meat, like so much protein yeah. from these crabs. Huge, huge advantage, especially from this team that I guess their water source is bad. Uh, imagine the other tribe getting that many crabs. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just, I've, I, I won't mention it too much anymore, but just comparing to last season, like you couldn't go off and hunt anything. In yeah. Africa. Yeah. There was almost nothing to scavenge in Australia with either where they're at, the seasons, or whatever. This is such a big game changer. And it's a fun moment to watch. Like, yeah. them catching the crabs, breaking them open. I think Pascal says, like, the meat was a little hard to get. I was like, yeah, Pascal, that's kind of what crabs are famous for. <laughs> it's 
a well-known fact. They're the ultimate life form. <laughs> yes. And there's, there's no crabs in Africa. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> All things become crab. <laughs> if anyone is confused as to why I keep saying that, it's fine. That's going to be the meme for this week. It's going to be something crab-related oh, now. Oh, crab. No, you already told me we have a meme that we have to make. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we jump to the reward challenge, and the first thing that we cut to is Jeff saying, All right, take a look. Sarah's gone. Immediate zoom in on Boston Rob. Look at him. Look at his face. Yeah, Rob looks like he just ate, with that reaction, looks like he just ate something slightly sour, but he kind of knew it was going to be sour, and yeah. he's like, yeah, right. I, I kind of expected that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put this lime in my mouth. Exactly. Who knew that it was going to be a little bit sour? He I, knew Sarah was worthless. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we get the uh, blindfold tiki search and build game. Okay, first off, fun challenge. Uh-huh. Second off, I would never want to be blindfolded in this type of challenge. I don't... I That would freak me out. Third, I have a conspiracy theory about this episode. Okay, go on. I'm jumping ahead, but Gabe thinks he has all the pieces and he doesn't. <laughs> this is... I, I don't know if I believe this, but this is the conspiracy theory that immediately jumped my mind. Is that Survivor, with sight lines and all of that, hid one of the Tiki pieces in a way that Gabe could not see it to put their thumb on the scale to try to stop the Mara Amu downward spiral. I mean, usually I've like squashed the conspiracy theories that did look pretty hard to see. It looked really hard to see. And Gabe has been really competent at all of the challenges. Mm. I just don't believe for a second that he dropped the ball that badly with the then camera angle we see from his perspective of where that Tiki head is i'm like oh this is sus yeah i mean the fact that he knew how many he had to get though makes me think all right just count them sure it's easy to say that in the moment but i'm not saying he's perfect but i i it does seem like they made it intentionally harder for rotu i think even with that though the whole time i was thinking yeah, they they feel like they're leading, but from everything that we're seeing and how the challenge is developing, it looks like Mata Amu is leading. Yeah. Even, despite what Rotu and what Gabe is saying, the fact that we're seeing them pretty much in order of, okay, picking up this, picking up this, picking up this, Mata Amu is leading that whole way. Even if Rotu gets that one, I still think Mata Amu wins this. Yeah. Not by much. But I think they win this. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And this reward, this fucking reward, is this the most important reward we have seen in any season? In terms of big rewards, no. I think there are huge things. I mean, a car is a huge reward. Oh, no, no, sorry. I mean, I mean for the balance of the game. Yes and no. Okay. I think it it's huge knowing that knowing what we know of what challenge is next. It absolutely 100% made that challenge lopsided. And they knew what challenge was next. The the production crew. Yeah. Which is like again, who I think whoever wins the the reward challenges episode wins immunity challenge. Mm-hmm. In terms of like long term, I don't think it changes a whole lot because I I do think regardless of who wins you're only like six to nine days away from a merge. Sure. So you're not being stripped of everything for the rest of the game. 
but it definitely made that one challenge. Yeah, this this had this episode felt like it had the most producer influence of anything as far as game balance goes. Yes, it did. Didn't and it? and I also I I take a slightly different track. I think this is the most important reward challenge for my from a game balance perspective mm-hmm. that we have seen because every other challenge, every other reward challenge, you're just getting something. Mm-hmm. The other tribe stays the same. This shifts it on both axes. You get Basically, you get to steal every single reward that they have won up until that point in the game. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Insane. But before we move on, I should just note that Gabe was the one calling for Rotu and Maramu was Kathy. So, there you go. Another Kathy moment to, to take the lead, to take a point position. Yeah. And after that challenge, I wrote down, I think Sean... The Sepia and Rob flip John. That was my that was my written prediction mm. at this point in the episode. Another bold take. Let's see what happens here. So what they won is two minutes at the opposing team's camp where they can take whatever they want. They have a list of things that they can't take, like one knife, one pot, the magnifying glass, and personal items, but anything else is up for grabs. Yep. In later Survivor seasons, they fix this. Oh, okay. Oh, they do the... I thought this was going to be a one-and-done reward. There are raiding tribes. Okay. However, usually it's you get one thing, two things, Mm. a certain amount of things. Okay. The fact that they were just given take as much as you want... Yeah, full carte blanche. ...in two minutes. I wrote down take the whole shelter. (laughs) <laughs> like just Take it walk, all. just walk in the middle of the shelter and like pick it up. Mine. It's not secured to the ground. It's not. I don't know how you do that, but sure. I mean, you can just destroy it. That's fair. Like ruin their whole fucking day. <laughs> That's probably it's a social game. You probably shouldn't do that. Right. But wow. I was just laughing though as the the two minute raid goes on and we're we're treated to a nice Nintendo sixty four ass music where it's just it's it's banjo kazooie music for anyone who understands that reference all it is is like a xylophone and drums and some like goofy electronic horn yeah you're just like this is weird i don't like this and the the other tribe wrote you has to stand by and watch it happen shit they watch limo rob john and gabe just look so devastated like you just stole their puppy yeah. How could you? <laughs> and then after this all happens, they get a, almost everything. And then as they're loading up the boat to take it all back to their camp, Boston Rob bangs a pan on his knee and says, forget this. That was a good moment. It was a good moment. Also, my guy, are your knees made of steel? Yeah. My it, knee hurt watching that. It made a good noise. <laughs> How did you do that? Impressive. Way to go, Boston Rob. So Mata'amu relishes in their moment. They display the crate lid that they stole from the other tribe yeah. as a trophy. And it's the first time Gina's won anything. True. In we, her entire life, she's never won anything before this. We are 14 days into this game, and Gina has not won a single challenge. It'll be till day 15 that half of the show lights their torches. It's true. Half of the remaining people light their torches. Yeah. Mm. And then we get... We get what I can only describe as the most early 2000s moment in all of Survivor. Oh, buddy. You get a weird record scratch. You get crabs walking forward and then 
reversing and walking backwards as if played in reverse. And then Sean is beatboxing and Gabe is rapping. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't the worst rapping I've ever heard. No, it wasn't bad. I mean, to call it rap is really unfair. He was rhyming in rhythm. (laughs) Well, we'll call that. It it was 90s rap. It's it's not the, like, the aim of it was more to hit the rhyme than to have a a good flowing lyric as you know in a good pattern it is well established that you and i are connoisseurs and scholars of rap i very much have been uh told not to rap (laughs) we had we had a show on one of our ships where we had two very very white gentlemen and we had to pick which one of us was rapping and the the music director looked at us and like no no. No. We're doing a different song. Let's, uh, let's, let's, hey, Asian gentleman, you're going to be the rapping. Hey, literally anyone else. Anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Steven doesn't rap. <laughs> anyway. I have no rhythm. I, I got rhythm. John's nervous about Gabe getting close to the bottom three. Mm-hmm. As established by this rap section. <laughs> yeah, that's why the rap section is here. <laughs> And he confronts him. He, he really gets up in his face and says, you're going to play your own game. Tries to hammer home that the whole point of all of this is to get our original eight back together. Yeah. Doesn't matter what happens here. We need the original eight back together. We got to get the band back together, Jared. It's very unfortunate for John that Boston Rob is in this season. Because John is taking the Lex approach. Mm-hmm. And Boston Rob is changing the way the game is played. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Boston Rob makes John look clumsy. Yeah. And he is. Yeah. And if if the preview for next episode is any indication, it's not going to end well for John. <laughs> what's interesting is that he's trying to talk to Gabe and trying to talk Gabe down. And Gabe is super noncommittal about his easy path into the final eight. Yeah. Like, all he has to do is just play along and say, yeah, sure. I, I have no problem getting rid of these three. And he doesn't. Gabe, he doesn't have a plan, but he's not committing to this plan. Gabe is the ultimate example of not making a choice is making a choice. Yeah. Thinking that you can just... And this goes for life as well as Survivor. Like, if you're confronted with, with like, having to make a decision, choosing to not make one is making a decision. It's true. And you will still suffer consequences from that, i.e. Gabe. Yeah. And so John tries, immediately leaves this conversation and says, all right, I need to make a block of four to survive at least this section of the game and maybe get me into the final four. Mm -hmm. So he goes and he recruits Limo Rob, Tammy, and Zoe. And immediately is like, there, there's my four. Sees that this other person doesn't have a plan and it's in his way of getting there. Yeah. And then takes immediate action. Love it. It's great. It's a little clumsy. It is a little clumsy. It's a little messy, but he does it. Yeah. He does it well. And then we jump into immunity. Right from there. This immunity challenge is so fucked. The SOS challenge, once again, rears its ugly head. It's, I also hate the SOS challenge. This makes it worse. The SOS challenge should not be used as an immunity challenge. No. The fact that we're it, doing this right after the camp raid. Was it used as an immunity challenge in the previous seasons? Yes. Almost 
exclusively. I'm pretty sure every single time it's Why? been an immunity challenge. Why? Okay. It's it's a bad challenge, and I need for it to go away. We get the answer from last season. Um, you do have to sit out people if you have uneven numbers. Because yeah. in season three, it was a little unclear. It was unclear. So I, I think they took that note, and they, yeah. they ran with it. So they, they talk about it, and they talk very clearly in this group of eight. All right, these four have to do it because they sat out in the last one. And they're not the most creative ones. No, it's Sean and Boston Rob, who, as far as I can tell, obviously they're both intelligent in their own way. Sean seems incredibly intelligent. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem incredibly creative. No. Or like, it seems more like he's a, he's like a philosophical kind of guy. Not an artist. Not an artist by any means. Not an artist. Boston Rob speaks for himself. (laughs) And then Vesepia, and who's the fourth one? It's... Zoe. Zoe. We hardly know Zoe at all. Zoe, we hardly know. She is strong. Yeah. The product they end up with sucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's all all there is to say about it. They did, I mean, they they didn't do the best they could with what they had because the big things that separate the two tribes in this one, one, the sheets. The sheets were huge. The the blankets and things that Madamu uses to then hoist up a big, Almost a, a giant flag yeah. to signal. What they did better than the Rotu tribe, though, was how they used the life jackets. Yeah, getting that color on there. Yeah. Both tribes had the same idea. Put the life jackets upward so that someone can see it. Rotu just kind of like stuck them on there, like mm-hmm. tied them and did their best. Amu took the stuffing out and arranged it in a, a giant triangle pattern. Which Pascal knew was an SOS, or at least thought was an SOS symbol. Yeah, I don't... I don't, I don't know, know if it was. I don't know about that. But it was. It was much better at being visible. It was much better at catching the eye. And the other big thing that kind of swung this challenge was Pascal had the... American, American flag. flag! Yeah. Which he gets to use in the challenge. Yeah. His personal item. What? It's... I don't think it would have swung the difference, but it's definitely a huge advantage on that I one. I mean, the, ca- the the French boat captain says that was, like, a big thing that drew his eye to yeah. it. And it's not something that the show provided. <laughs> Can we... Okay, we have to talk about the French boat. Because we have, unlike other seasons where they were up in the air looking at this. Yeah. This time we're on a boat. And it's Jeff and Captain Lorraine on the French vessel... That's not French. No. Also, I'm pretty sure that the captain is not French. I think he was an Italian officer, like many of the other officers that I've had the displeasure of speaking with in my lifetime. It was flying the French flag. Oh, I'm not not discrediting that the boat is not French. Mm. The captain was, I'm pretty sure, Italian. Oh, sure. (laughs) I I understand why they had to use a boat. It, I don't think they maybe even have, like, a helicopter here. Have we had any aerial shots? I can't think of any. I don't know. I don't think there's a place... Like, maybe they have, like, a water plane or something. Sure. But I... Like, for, like, an absolute emergency. Mm-hmm. But this seems like the most remote it's been. They have to have all of the contestants here the entire time of filming. A boat's probably the only way that they can get anything done. Just cut this challenge. Just cut the challenge. Just get rid of it. It's not It's not a good challenge anyway. 
not doing it from the from the sea instead of the air kind of sucks. Yeah, it's it's an interesting twist, but it's still it's not good. No, they they look terrible. <laughs> All of the SOS things would probably look better from the air, and they look terrible trying to flag down a ship. Yeah. So this time we get immunity in a crate, and. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff just yeets that motherfucker into yeah. the sea. Yeah, it, once they've decided who is one, and it's the Madamu tribe, big surprise, they have all the supplies, Jeff picks up the crate above his head and just yeet <laughs> into the ocean. Not anywhere close to the shore. Hilarious. They don't drive in and, like, give them some a closer swim. They just throw it, like, half a mile off the shoreline. Uh, like, if you took that exact footage, like, if you just clipped that little bit and made it into a meme, I would think it was Photoshopped. Like, it was edited. <laughs> because, like, there's... Uh, he just, he's like, yeah, keep the boat steady, Captain. I have a package to deliver or something. Walks over to it, just, like, over the head, just, like... He <laughs> gone. Hilarious. It was so funny. And it's not meant to be funny, but it's funny. No, Jeff takes it so seriously. Oh, that's beautiful. He's so serious about the entire endeavor, and I'm like, what the fucking edgelord? <laughs> like, and this, it, it reminds me of the meme of Rafiki holding Mufasa up and then, like, throwing them, like, throwing them <laughs> off of the top of Fried Rock. Yeah, it's, that's, that's gonna be my meme. That's, I wanna make that. No, that's gonna be, you're editing the episode, so I'm gonna make the meme. Oh, it's true. Oh, good point. Yeah, okay. Make your meme, baby. And then, just the last two things I wanna point out about this challenge, both Pascal. One, he's in a full foam squire uniform, and it's so funny yeah. how they use the, the foam from the life jackets. He puts it on his head, he folds it so it's almost like a pointed hat. It's great. And, like, wears the rest as regalia. And Beautiful. Nalia says that she's the one who got him to wear the hat, and oh, that really? he hates wearing the hat. He hasn't worn a hat in, like, 20 years or something <laughs> like that. It was a, And he's, like, begrudgingly doing it. It was really cute. The other thing, to signal that they have won, the boat honks its horn. And as soon as they honk the horn, Mata Amu drops their giant heavy raft that is holding up their sheet, and it almost falls on Pascal, and we almost have to medical evacuate. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's it's cl- like he has to like oh, I think it landed on his foot a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> wow, oh my gosh, no more medical evacs. I mean, we'll never have one again. We have a season specifically dedicated to people coming back from medical evacs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, there's there's one other thing I want to say from the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's... <laughs> Boss and Rob has said stuff that aged poorly. He says something that accidentally ages poorly. Remind me what that is. It looks like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Oh, yikes. Any reference... Like, any time you hear... We're, I, this will not be the last time we hear something of, like... Someone that we found out did horrible, horrible right. sex crimes later. Um, but this is this is the first time we've heard somebody reference like <laughs> Bill Cosby in a positive light, and it's yeah. like, oh yeah, that's right. That wasn't oh, widely yeah. public knowledge that he was a serial rapist, huh? He was a a, a huge role model for a lot of people yeah. for a long time. Yup. Oopsie doops. Oopsie doops. Just just you wait. Later on in a, a future season, someone will say, yeah, Kevin Spacey is my hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> That's a joke. I don't, I don't think that actually happens. But it's interesting, though. As this challenge is going on, 
Mata Amu is strategizing. Mm-hmm. They're like full on running around and trying to figure out what's going to happen. You mean the Mara Amu, previous Mara Amu members on row two? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, and John too. John is running around trying to figure this out. And Boston Rob goes full Godfather on game. Dude, this scene was awesome. <laughs> so funny. This scene kicked ass. I don't have what he said written down, but he, he's like up in his face, like, hey. Well, he okay. So to set the scene, Boston Rob is like in his like in like their hut. Yep. Alone. And he's like, Gabe, come over here. Yeah. Uh, you. This this part is after the challenge. Yeah, but. yeah. This after the challenge. He's like, Gabe, I want to see you do well in this game. Yeah. You want to, you can, we can help each other out, but yeah. I need you to, I need you to make a choice here. Now, remember, three days ago, he was on another tribe and came over here on the bottom, outnumbered, and now we are in a position where either John or Gabe is going home. Mm-hmm. What? It's insane. What? And Boston Rob is running the tribe that he has only been around for three days that they all thought he was lazy and wanted to get rid of him. But what's insane here is that he is approached by a secondary party telling them, hey, you pissed off John and now you're going home. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go home. Yeah. If you work with us. Yeah. We can flip this on its head and you don't have to go home. And he's still non-committal about it. Which I also think was a bit of a misplay by Boston Rob. Oh, I is. appreciate the gumption, but like, do you think Boston Rob had any hope of flipping Zoe, Tammy, Zoe or Tammy, or Limo Rob? No. Igor. But. So then, so he, then you'd end up in a 4-4 tie. Yeah. He sees himself back against the wall, mm-hmm. and this is his opportunity to make a move, so why not do it? Like, if. if Don't want Gabe? No, Rob. Boston Rob. I don't... But his back's not up against the wall. It's All he not, has to do is nothing. It's not now. However, they're clearly at a numbered disadvantage. Oh, I see what you're saying. If, as we've seen season after season after season, if he doesn't find a way to, to flip someone here, then suddenly the numbers are... There's no way to come back from it. Because mm, you're at 4-3 once Gabe's gone. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I can see that. And even if they make it to the merge then suddenly oh that's tri- much worse <laughs> that tribe is back together and they have it, gina it could be the full eight against you yeah yeah i i guess i understand it i mean it may a little bit revisionist history then i just think that working with john is the better choice for boston rob i don't think there wasn't a, a there wasn't a choice to work with john john doesn't want anything to do with boston rob well he he asks for at least sean's vote he asks, he tells, he talks, because John pulls Sean aside and is like, hey, uh, we're going to get rid of Gabe. Oh, yeah. That's how we find out that information. That's true. That is a part that I forgot to mention. It's very important. That's the part during the challenge that happens. Yeah. And that's sloppy. That's really sloppy. That's super sloppy. Mm-hmm. But, oh well. Yeah, because really, as from John's perspective, also all you had to do was nothing. Yeah. If you believe that you have your three votes locked in on, or four votes rather, locked in on Gabe... Gabe's not going to vote with the other three if he doesn't think there's anything... Like, you have the numbers. You can yeah. you can have a three-way vote and be fine. You tell Gabe to vote for anyone. Yeah. You tell Gabe to vote for the wrong person. Yep. It's fine. He's on his own. Ugh. So we get to tribal. And once again, this is the first time grabbing torches <laughs> 15 days into this game. Insane. Absolutely insane. 
Tammy says this tribe is upbeat. Gabe is the jester. Weird that Jeff is asking who the jester is. I don't think he... Did he use the term jester? He did. Okay. Hmm. It was... I, I, I took it more of like the who raises your spirits, who keeps morale up now that you've lost. Yeah, but he phrases it like who's the jester. Yeah. Which makes it think like who's the butt of all the jokes here. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it's it's not taken that way. I mean, people... I forget who it is. Someone, either Tammy or Zoe is like, yeah, it's definitely Gabe. Gabe lifts our spirits. Yeah. And Gabe is the one who's really getting us through all these hard times. Is trust the biggest member of our tribe? John says when asked about trust. No. John has a terrible tribal council. Yeah. For, for the vote going his way, this tribal council is apocalyptic for him. Uh-huh. He has tasted power, and he does not know what to do with it. <laughs> he gets asked if he thinks he's going home. Or, like, do you, think you're, do you think you're safe tonight? Are you confident you're safe tonight? And at first, he deflects it really well. He goes, that's an evil question, Jeff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe good, he's, good, start, good. he's starting to figure it out. And he's like, he's like, but if I had to answer it, you don't. You don't. If I had to answer it, I'm really confident that I'm not going home. And then talks about how he is, or maybe before this, Talks about how uh, Jeff asks if there's a leader on the tribe. And John goes, yeah, it's me. Yeah. I have what? stepped up to be a leader. Yeah. What and, a terrible place to put yourself in. And Jeff Jeff goes, is that helpful? Or does that put a target on your back? <laughs> <laughs> ah, John, you fool. But then the best answer from all of this tribal council. Boston Rob is asked about, is this a team vote? Mm. Is this you making a decision to work with a team or is this an individual vote just to get you further in this game? Like, Jeff, I think all votes are individual votes. You are playing this game to get yourself further in the game. And that is the smartest thing that anyone has ever said this far in the game. Finally, somebody's figured it out. That it does not matter if your team is there or not. No. You need to survive. And Boston Rob, I think, puts on a bit of a a bit of a dumb facade. I think he uses his charm and his, honestly, his dialect <laughs> to come off as dumb and a little crass to his to the people around him so that he's not taken seriously. Mm. But this is clearly a man who saw the first two and a half seasons and went, oh, I found the formula. I know what to do. I know what to do. And we see it in the episode that he gets rid of Hunter. He says, like, I don't care if we don't win a single challenge. I figured something out here. Godfather Rob is in full game mode. It's insane. I'm so excited to see how far this goes. Because that scene with Gabe was legit. Like, that. If that was in, like, a scripted version of a show like this, like, if you were watching some, like, a. I don't know, like, an HBO show where this was, like, a, a scripted event. Yep. That would be a well written scene. Yep. And it's completely improvisational. That happens, and we vote. And Gabe gets full swept on this one. Yeah. Again, Gabe, all you had to do was commit to one side, and you couldn't do that. Gabe is the Sarah of his tribe. Yeah. Except he does stuff around camp. He does stuff around camp. He's just inept at playing the game. Yes. And chose, actively chose several times to not play the game. Yeah. How would Gabe do in a future season of Survivor? So bad. <laughs> so bad. If he decided to play the game, 
he would probably do fine. Yeah. But Gabe's head is not aligned with what Survivor is. You can't you can't come on Survivor to build a commune. It's literally the opposite of the point of the show. You are getting rid of a person every three days. Yeah. Eventually, there will only be one person left. That is the opposite objective of a commune, which is to stay, like, you know, build and be sustainable. Like, it, it is the opposite of sustainability. Insane. Absolutely insane. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think he is an early vote by anyone. I mean, he'd probably make it farther, to be, actually, now that I'm saying that out loud, to be perfectly honest. Because he wouldn't be a threat. Why get rid of a guy who's not playing the game when you have pe- viable threats to get rid of? So maybe he'd get a little farther as, like, a goat. Mm. But, man, I'm so disappointed. I was excited for him early season. I didn't I, I didn't know that he chose to take a vacation instead of play Survivor. Yeah. And that's not on you. That's on him. Yeah. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Do you think he comes back? No! <laughs> and my protagonist of the episode is John. Okay. Yeah. John's the one who's makes who's making all the moves. I mean, Boston Rob is taking is taking a firm protagonist seat for the season, but he's not going to be the protagonist of every episode. Sure. And Boston Rob changes his plans well, but uh, John is the one who's actually making the moves this episode. You threw my rhythm off. Gabe is he doesn't come back. Yeah. Gabe doesn't come back. Shocking. Not to undercut your your protagonist, but Gabe does not come back. Not that he doesn't try. Really? He has applied many, many times to be on Survivor. Did he say, no, I'll play for real this time, guys? To the point that he got a callback as a new player before they realized, wait, he's played this game already. Well, has he? (laughs) He had to admit to a producer after he got his callback that, yeah, I've been on the show before. Oh my god. That's so embarrassing. It's so funny, though. It is. I get it. Just apply for the the returning seasons. Yeah. Keep keep trying. Like there will be more returning seasons, probably. But he he actually didn't mind his edit. Like he felt pretty good about the edit. Still funny to think that about the story they tell, with multiple camera crews within each camp, twenty four hours a day. They have hundreds of hours of footage to edit into a forty five minute show. Makes you realize they can tell whatever story they want. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. It's a shame that you didn't play the game and get your to- your story told. Right. And yeah, that's I'm I'm glad that he's smart enough to take that fifty thousand foot view and be like, yeah, that's they're they they can not put all the footage in there. Of course the story's gonna be incomplete. Yeah. Just kind of a shame. Yeah. I mean if he's applied so many times, he probably also feels like it's a bit of a shame. <laughs> but he he travels the world, he has a family, he he lives in New Zealand, I think I saw. And he's he got the money that he could travel from being on Survivor, from, like, the, the fame and all that. So sure. Like, it did great things for his life. Yeah. And if you could make one change to any aspect of Survivor, what would it be? Cut down on the immunity idols. Or the immunity, yeah, trinkets or advantages. Oh, like the hidden immunity yeah. idols and stuff like that? So there's way too many immunity trinkets. That's fair. Yeah. That's been a, a complaint of mine in the post-40 seasons that I've seen. Yeah, that's fair. Anything else? No, this is a really good season. This is a good season. And I've said before that Rich is the creator of Survivor, the god the 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 grandfather of Survivor. Rob, Boston Rob is the godfather. Yeah. I mean kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he this is the first time we're seeing gameplay on a diabolical level. 
and I love it. I love it. It's so good. And I, the show is more interesting that Mara Amu got their asses handed to them early. Because we would have, this would have all happened much later if they had won all the challenges. Because it wouldn't have had to have happened. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of diabolical things, the bumper. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Tony Mark Time podcast. Oh, it feels good to watch a season that's good, doesn't it? Oh, it feels so good. It feel, it, we're not dragging ourselves to watch these. It's exciting. I was, I'm always excited to record. Watching some of the episodes in Africa was, it was a labor. Like, it was laborious to be like, okay, let's watch nothing happen for an hour again. <laughs> let's watch these people lay around and not leave their circle. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you'd like to promote? Oh, you know there is. Oh, go on. So there's a Twitch stream. Oh, no. <laughs> I made Steven watch it. It's called Watch Me Forever on, on Twitch. It is a... I, now, mind you, I do not like Seinfeld. It is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year stream of 2D animated... Or 3D animated, computer-generated... Seinfeld episodes or scenes. All of it is done by a computer. The, like basically, they fed it the script for every Seinfeld episode, and then said, "Now write your own that never ends." It is comedy edging. It is a new form of purgatory. They set up jokes and never punchline. Yes, because the computer can't figure out what a punchline is. In fact, sometimes they just stop the scene. Yep. They set up the the joke, and then suddenly it just hard cuts. <laughs> silence. I hate it. It's so good. I hate it so much. Sometimes the computer falls into actual jokes. Very rarely. What was the one we were watching where like the computer generated Jerry Seinfeld was like doing the stand-up bit that does that begins at the episodes and like actually had a decent like joke, like actual not knock knock joke, but like type of formulaic joke. I couldn't tell you what it was. And it... then followed up with what do you call a bear without the T H? <laughs> yeah. And then it just cuts. It just had no answer. <laughs> and the Twitch chat is great. It is it is always funny. If you enjoy absurd, absurd things and or you like smoking weed, <laughs> this is a great way to pass like half an hour. Oh my god. It's the worst thing I've ever seen and I can't stop watching it's it. It's so bad. It's a train wreck. <laughs> and that right now, we I, I showed it to, to Michaela, who was our guest for the first episode of this season, today. And on, it was a Saturday morning and there were 11,000 people watching it. 11,000 people on a Saturday have nothing better to do than watch this. I am going to take this moment, and I've said it already before, but the more we dig into College Humor, the mm. owner of the streaming company Dropout, the more I like from them. Because Netflix is clamping down on password sharing. And... Walk that back, thankfully. Do they? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. They should have. Yeah. But they're threatening to. They keep doing it until suddenly people forget and like run out of energy to complain. Eventually, they're gonna do it. Maybe there are so many people that like Netflix quality is dropping anyway. So like it would be suicide to their platform. Yeah, you would lose way too many people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, college humor is like, hey, share your password. Share it with your friends who can't afford it. Yeah, we want people to see this stuff. It's great, and they have good shows. Dimension yeah. Twenty is pretty good, from what I heard. Yeah. I watched a lot of the, the game show you uh, you pitched on your login. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Game Changer uh, is game beautiful. Game Changers, yeah. I also want to promote one other story. Not even promote. I just want to tell a funny story about Thank Twitch you. that I just remembered. 
Did you hear the story about somebody's fish costing them like $5,000? I saw the title and I can kind of figure out what happened, but go on. Basically, they had the fish plays Pokemon thing going and they were playing the newest Pokemon. Yep. And so how that works is wherever the fish swims is what the button what button gets hit. Yep. But because the new Pokemon's such a fucking buggy mess, it crashed. And so they're on the home screen and the fish is still hitting buttons yep. and made a bunch of credit card transactions. <laughs> oops, Live oops. on stream and also doxed his credit card info. Yeah, that's the part I saw. I, I, oops. oops, sorry fish. Maybe, maybe don't do that. Maybe put parental controls on the Switch that you have a fish playing. Yeah. Uh, Twitch was a mistake. Twitch was a mistake. <laughs> Every day we stray further from God's light. If I went to hell and it was like, if it was like the Twitch channel watching me forever, that'd be fine. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Steven, this is Jared. Watch me forever. If I, if I don't say anything, then we can't end the episode. Well, yeah, I mean, so we just keep going? What's the deal with airline food? <laughs> Bye-bye! <laughs>